It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Eat Show. Uh, Today we're going to talk to a true renaissance man, a guy who can do just about everything and anything, Uh, well, at least when it comes to the world of entertainment. His name is David Evanoff, and he's one of those guys that you admire because, I mean, you admire the hell out of him because he's just so good at just about everything he does, Or, or maybe you hate him a little bit because the son of a bitch is just too talented. David Evanoff is the owner of David Evanoff Sound Design Studios in Salt Lake. Uh, I think the first or certainly among the first digital sound recording studios in Salt Lake City. Uh, David saw the future in digital and he'll tell you all about this, about that on the Let's Go Eat show. And, but he's so much more than that. He's an actor, he's a dancer when necessary. Uh, he composes music. Uh, He composes jingles, uh, TV jingles and radio jingles for clients, jingles that you have heard many times, as a matter of fact, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up. He also records with famous musicians and near-famous musicians. He's an excellent musician himself on several instruments, including the accordion and, well, the bagpipes. Uh, I I don't know if you can... He, He says he plays the bagpipes when necessary, as far as a lot of people would be concerned, it's never necessary to play the bagpipes, but he can play them if need be. And what makes it all the more frustrating about David is, you know, is he can do all of this stuff and he's just such a, a nice, nice guy. I mean, he's just self-effacing and so nice. You, you, you just you almost say, I, I can't believe you're talented. You're too nice to be talented. Uh, David Evanoff, um, I've known him for a long time. Um, I don't remember when uh, David and I first met, but he does, and he'll tell you that story (laughs) in this episode of the Let's Go Eat Show. Uh, We'll also talk about his time working with Disney, and even before that, his time being the uh, marching band major uh, uh, with the Lagoon Marching Band. Anybody remember the Lagoon Marching Band? David's got stories. He knows how to play all these instruments. He's a great actor, and again, what a nice guy. I think you'll find him a thoroughly entertaining and interesting fellow. It's David Evanoff on the Let's Go Eat show. Uh, thanks to Dylan for putting all this together, and uh, that's Dylan Allred, the producer of the Let's Go Eat show. And remember, uh, folks, if you like what you hear on the Let's Go Eat show, please let us know. Uh, share links to the shows by going to the Let's Go Eat show.com 
or Stitcher or iTunes, or you can also find the programs at x96.com on the podcast section of our website there. So that's it for now. Here it is, David Evanoff. Dan, Dan, the Maytag Man wants you to know. 5620900. Dan, Dan, the Maytag Man wants you to know. 5620900. Uh, David Evanoff. I've known you, uh, but not real. I mean, I, I've known you for a number of years. How many years have I known you? Um, well, we act, we actually met at a, uh, band jam competition in Provo where you were hosting and I was judging rock and roll bands and that would have been 92. I have no memory of this. Well, this is how it went. Uh, I was with my good friend Roxanne Hasegawa. Oh, I know. I remember Roxanne, who, who just uh, passed, passed away. away. Yeah. Uh, saddest thing. Yeah. Uh, but she said to me, hey, there's Bill Allred. And I said, I'm a huge fan. Will you introduce me? And we walked up, and you <laughs> gave her a nice little hug and said, hi, Roxanne. She said, this is David Evanoff. I said, Bill, I'm a huge fan. And you went, great, and walked off. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't insulted. In fact, I was very happy to meet you. But that's that's when we first met. And then we got to hang out a whole summer. What was it, 95? 95, I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, Salt Lake Acting Company. But I've never really gotten to know the whole David Evanoff story. And I've always wanted to because I was like, there's a story there and I just don't know it. And uh, because David Evanoff is an actor... He's a musician, a composer, a singer, a sound engineer. Uh, you uh, you you compose music for film, for radio, for for TV. You've played in all kinds of bands, marching bands. You've played in rock bands. You have played in. Uh, have you played in classical orchestras? It, certainly during okay. college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you've uh, you've done any everything having to do with music you uh, are a s- recording engineer and sound engineer which is a huge deal you have your own studio how the hell where did this all you are <laughs> you play how many instruments um i play i am paid to play three or four instruments you, per- meaning I, I i feel that i'm competent at drums guitar and keyboards okay. um but there have oh an accordion, um, accordion. Yeah, don't go oh an accordion. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes I forget that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so I feel competent taking people's money to do those. But in the recording business, you learn to play many things, and I've played bagpipes and and uh, mandolins and you know mm-hmm. various. If I have a minute to practice, I can. I feel like I can play anything but double reed instruments you're so you're kind of a prodigy i mean you're a, or a savant about musical instruments you just you you can feel your way around them i i can and and uh i, I don't know if prodigy is a correct term but 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 i do have a, a connection mm-hmm. um as do many of the better musicians i know yeah. i i'm constantly amazed when people come in here and uh just can pick up anything and, yeah. and make beautiful music out of it. I think it's because I have absolutely no 
ability for any of that. I can't even carry. I can't even really carry a tune. Huh. I can't. I can't sing. <laughs> Uh, I, so so it's astonishing to me that people can do all of that and and uh, anyway, so so where you're a Salt Lake kid, Salt Lake kid, and when I was four, I uh, wanted to play piano, and my parents made me a deal that I could play piano if I would take accordion lessons, because I come from a uh, an Italian family where somebody in every generation had always played accordion. And it was a big deal to sit around at a family gathering and somebody would play and the Italians would sing and drink red wine. And it was just, and, and I loved it too, mm-hmm. I, just that aspect of it. So I took piano and accordion lessons and uh, played accordion a lot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, competitions and uh, even there's, a, we, they still have it, the Salute to Youth, it's a big... Uh, educa- through all of the elementaries, junior highs, and high schools, and they have this competition. And at the end of the year, the governor bestows an award on the best musician or actor or whatever. And uh, I actually won that at six years old, playing really? the accordion. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What was your What was your selection? Uh, I played, I think, two accordion pieces. One kind of a, a traditional Lady like, of Spain. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I played Lady of Spain, and then I probably played a pop piece at the time, you know, uh, whatever it was, The Sound of Silence. <laughs> which, Simon and Garfunkel on which, the accordion. Which doesn't <laughs> no. really seem right for the accordion. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I wish I'd uh, thought about it. I would. You, you ha- probably have an accordion here. You know, I, 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 I don't. One. Yeah, the reason I don't is because... Um, I'm gearing up to play a show with accordion, so I'm ho- I'm doing a little practicing at home right now. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> You're Damn. ashamed of your the accordion. Mm-hmm. You're well, you ashamed of your heritage. You don't have it here. It, the- it, there was really no shame. Uh, slightly. <laughs> what happened was I played it a lot, um, com- competed, traveled around, and at about 15, I realized I was never going to get a chick with mm. that thing strapped to the front of yeah. me. It took you till you were 15? It took until I was 15. <laughs> So the accordion went in the closet, and that led me to drums, drums. and keyboards and, and guitars and yeah, sure. things that were more girl-friendly. Uh, sure. Drummer, a drummer, did you, you, I've seen you drum, too. You're a very good drummer. Thank you. Did, Thank that, you. Uh, did that come sort of naturally? It did. It was a situation, again, I think I was in junior high. I was playing piano in a jazz band, and... Um, and synthesizers. I was one of the young guys. I had one of the first setups of, of synthesizers, uh, vintage, we would call them now, in the end of the 70s into the 80s. And so uh, I was almost recruited like an athlete would be. You know, you're going to come and play in, the, in our Skyline Jazz Band, and you're going to be in our junior high band. And because I had this big rig of keyboards. Did you have the Moog? I certainly did. I still do. The, I had the Mini, the Micro. And uh, another famous one called the Arp Odyssey. Uh-huh. And uh, played them, you know, well for a young guy. Uh, but one day, a drummer wasn't there. And I said, I can do that. And I sat down and I played. And the director looked at me and he said, you're pretty good at that. Let's get you some lessons. And I started lessons with a, a percussion god here in Utah. His name is Doug Wolf. 
and uh, that was it. I never looked back. Did you? Uh, did, you must have seen the movie, and I can't. I always. Oh, the the, uh, the name uh, always escapes yeah, me. Uh, uh, yeah, the the mean drum teacher. Yeah, what's Whip, the name? Whip, Whiplash, yeah, Whiplash, because that's the piece that yeah. he keeps trying to play. Exactly. Whiplash, yeah. yeah. What, was it anything like that? Taking no, it, uh, I went, I, I went to that with a, a few music educator friends, mm. and we laughed so hard because all of my teacher friends would love to behave like that, but nobody does. Yeah. Um, no, I, I never, my fingers never bled. And uh, can you can you answer me a question about that movie? Just a little sidebar here. Yeah. Um, that the, the Miles Teller, the actor who was in the movie, not a drummer. Uh, I thought they were to me. It was very convincing that he was a drummer mm-hmm. uh, and an excellent drummer. And and uh, I was just blown away by the fact that he's not a drummer. Were you convinced? Did, uh, do you think they did a good job with that? They they did an excellent job. There were a few times I I caught little mm-hmm. editing tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, where they had sped up his hands mm. uh, that I could tell in the video to make it match mm-hmm. the recorded music, but no, it, it was very good. the The conducting was the weird stuff. Oh, that uh, that actor, you know, the way he would count things off. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. You would never do that in a jazz piece, you know. Two, one, two, three, four, and you're in. But he would do these weird uh, one, five, seven, eight. These strange counts, and, oh. and all of us went. Why didn't they fix that? Yeah. So, so, but he again, he's not a conductor or a musician. Right. But he and he he, looked mean. He uh, he made it convincing as an actor. But certainly, but but musicians would go, oh come on. Yeah, we. we, I think we all laughed a little bit at his conducting. So let's go back. uh, So you're you're uh, you're a kid in high. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Skyline High and then the University of Utah. You uh, you like being on stage. You like being kind of the center of attention. Did you do all of the? Did you do the high school plays and the band? Did you do all of that stuff? No, you know, it's interesting. I I, I did music. Yeah. I really don't have that actor thing. No, no, no. I I will do it, but I would much rather be in the pit or behind with my baton or behind a drum set. I'm always the first one out of the theater. Hmm. Uh, I no, I, I uh... because you seem to. When I see you act, you mm-hmm. you do a very you you know you Thank do you. a very good job. And when, but when I see you do certain other things uh, musically, it, it's like you like that spotlight on you while you're doing the music too. Uh, certainly, more so with the music. Mm-hmm. I, I feel comfortable, and I also feel like. Um, you're theatrical sometimes. You're... And I bring theatrics to the... I had somebody tell me the other night I was playing a jazz show and playing some really nice swing and uh, a lady came up and she said, wow, you look great. And I said, well, I, I hope I sounded great. And she said, oh yeah, that you were fine, but you look like a drummer. <laughs> so, well, that's... A, I mean, that's kind of... I, I think... The, I like that uh, when musicians are... So I think some musicians they want to disappear behind uh, the music. Uh, I, who was it? The Reed Brothers. Uh, uh, what's a, what's that band? Uh, you know, uh, Jesus, Jesus <laughs> built my hot rod. You know that band. <laughs> yeah, yes. And they would stand behind the uh, the drummer in the dark and play. Mm-hmm. And they were really cool guitarists, but both of them would stand behind the guitar, and they didn't want to have anything to do with being up front. I like musicians who like the showmanship of it as well. I, I, I try to bring that to, to my performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Certainly, maybe maybe that's a a way to. I'm a competent drummer. There's certainly better drummers. There's better drummers that are here in the studio with me weekly, mm-hmm. but uh, but I maybe that's I I boost my per- performance level up a little bit just to compensate for not being the fanciest drummer. Which, which so which instrument do you f- are you do you feel the best with and are the you're the you... I, drums certainly. If somebody calls me on a gig and says, "Here's the music you play tomorrow." I'm ready to go. I, I feel really competent sight reading and playing and doing a, a good job for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, you know, uh, the accordion is another one. And <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get many calls for that, do you? Yeah, only maybe once or twice a year. But, but I do, and they're always really fun. There are shows that have accordion books, and uh, that's how I got into theater, actually. was I was uh, 14 or 15, and I was called to play at the Promise Valley Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Which is now a parking a garage. A parking garage, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, was, uh, I played... Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, a little kid, and Mm -hmm. uh, met some musicians and met some theater folk who then invited me to play all over town. Mm -hmm. Uh, The old uh, Valley Music Hall was another place. Oh, my God. Remember that place? Yeah, sure. Beautiful theater. Yeah. You know, uh, this will really date me. I saw one thing there that I remember, and it was a band... It was the Lovin' Spoonful. Oh, nice. And And the stage rotated. It was a revolving stage. And it was a superb concert. I'm sure. I it was. mean, my God, it was great. Yeah, that was a really it's a ba- forgotten band now, but they were. I think they people will remember one hit they had, "Summer in the City." Of course, but they were terrific. My, if you ask me, my first concert it was at the Valley Music Hall in the Round. Mm-hmm. It was Lawrence Welk <laughs> on tour. Jesus, Lawrence Welk, you wanted to go? Well, again, the family said, Myron Florin is playing the accordion. The accordion. You will go see him. He was the king, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Or Frankie Yankovic. Yeah. Isn't he the other? Yes, right. The Polka King. Isn't, the Polka king, yeah. isn't he an accordion? He's an accordion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why do I know this? That's good. I'm glad you do. I, somebody does. Yeah. And people people uh, assume that Frankie Yankovic, the accordion guy, is weird, weird related to Weird Al. Not, not at all. Not related. No. Uh, is is Yankovic Al's la- real last name? Did I believe he? it is. I think it is. Because yeah. he's a, a big accordion guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. He and plays he, big polka numbers and stuff. But he, uh, he, he, I think Weird Al has said, I wish I were related to <laughs> Frankie <laughs> Yankovic, but I'm not. <laughs> Uh, do some weird Al research. So, so uh, theater, uh, theater just kind of came incidentally that way through music. It, I was sitting in the pit all of those years, uh, whether it was high school, know, high school, uh, a, li- a little bit. I was actually really fortunate. I started playing professionally before that, so so I kind of st- bypassed all of the school stuff. I mm-hmm. was at. Promise Valley, and and then later Salt Lake Acting Company, Theater One Thirty Eight, and uh, oh god, yeah, uh, you know. Uh, so I was very fortunate at a very early age to play, but I would sit in the pit and think, I can do that. I can tell that joke better than that guy. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, silly and young and arrogant. Mm-hmm. And then I got up on stage and tried it and went, oh, wait, this is really hard. Can be, can <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah. yeah. And so then when I got to college, I said, okay, I'm going to do a little, I'm going to educate myself at this. I'm going to take classes. And I'm going to get better at it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that led me to study a little bit and then and feel more competent on stage. So uh, always thought you would be... Uh, a professional musician mm-hmm. uh that that was just always and in in what 
what way did you always want to be like just a, a, a pit musician a... pits or play in a band a touring musician of some sort um but it was when i was hired by disneyland and i moved to to southern california and i met exceptional drummers that i went ah mm-hmm. i need a new plan because I I was fine, but my roommate, who was just another drummer, was far superior to me. And then as we went around town and went to nightclubs and jammed with us, I was again I was very lucky. I was we had lessons with the Tonight Show band, so Ed Shaughnessy was teaching me, and we were hanging out with Doc and those guys and Doc uh, Severinsen and Pete Chrisley, uh, mm-hmm. Saxon, the second leader of the band, and I just went wow. I, okay, I get it. So, I became an engineer. <laughs> well, well so, uh, I want to know. I want to know all about playing, working at Disneyland. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. Let's go back a little mm, bit. Sure. Uh, go back a little bit to uh, you. You went to college. You went to uh, University of Utah. Uh, uh, you worked at Lagoon, uh, and there was this fabulous marching band that you did at Lagoon. The Lagoon uh, Band. Uh, and if people are, you, people should really go and look. I just did this. There are some videos available. Just look up Lagoon Show Band. Mm-hmm. I think it was called. That's right. Look, up, and there are four, or five, or six videos available on YouTube. It from the eighties, early eighties. It was, and Dave is in them just a little bit as kind of you were a drum. You uh, yeah, were, I was the, the conductor, the conductor, mm-hmm. drum major. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- it was a fabulous band. Th- those were all high school kids? They were. They, and a few college. Um, we, we used to age people out around 21, but, but it was mostly high school and, and early college. I was pretty amazed at how tight. And uh, they, the, there's this. First of all, it's choreographed in. Well, you, you describe it. You could describe it better than I could. Well, it started in 76. My buddy Greg Hansen, and a teacher and just a mentor, he developed the band. Uh, based on drum corps at the time, but then he wanted to make it more entertaining. So the dance steps became more uh, comical or silly or or not. I mean, mm-hmm. he just he said, "I'm gonna." He would go in his office and play, and see what he could dance. And then if he could dance and play, then he would teach it to the kids. Mm-hmm. Then later, as I began to uh, become the conductor, he and I would develop these songs, these uh, pieces of choreography, and we would teach them to the kids. And we tried to push it as difficult as we could because that made for a more impressive show. Look at those guys. Look how hard they dance and play. Yeah. And it's, it's, so it's not, the, it's not the regimented kind of marching band stuff. They're doing dance moves where they spin around and twirl and uh, shake their hips and, and throw their and horns in the air. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, sometimes they throw their instruments yeah. in the air. Yeah, the tuba players, you know, those big <laughs> sousaphones, they would go for records. How <laughs> high they could throw those things, catch them, and keep playing. Yeah. And they play well. Very well. Uh, I was really impressed. How do how did how do you get that out of them? Well, once you know, once the band was established after the first couple of years, and I came in in '78 um, as a you know 15 year old. Uh, oh, that's it. Dated myself. The uh, the auditions went from what was initially Davis High in that area, then started to spread, and then we would get kids from Ogden and from. You know, all over. And so all of the best high school musicians would come and audition every spring at Lagoon. And and uh, uh, Greg Hansen had the, the pick of the finest musicians. 
Is that what now working there and doing all of that? Is that what led you to Disneyland? Yep, um, Lagoon had opted to uh, end the the life of the band, and at that time they, uh, you know, for whatever economic reason, at that point. And right at that time, I saw an audition for this band at Disneyland, the All-American College Band. So I went out and made a little audition and uh, was really lucky to get hired because that band auditioned coast-to-coast in all of the best music schools. So they were in Chafee Chafee and Berkeley and uh, Eastman and uh, uh, North Texas, you know, the godfather of jazz programs. And and I, I drove out to BYU and auditioned there and got in so were you were you still in college when you did that i was uh and you auditioned as a as a drummer as a drummer mm-hmm. drummer and piano player uh and you got in so you're working there just for the summer initially uh, it was the summer we played all summer long uh and, and then i fell in love with the place mm-hmm. so that led to other opportunities to do things play banjo on the mark twain as with the ship went around the <laughs> the uh, rivers of america uh, other, uh, you know, just gr- there's so many musical opportunities out there. And then I met, again, another important mentor in my life, Don Dorsey, who produces all that fantastic music that you know, uh, Electric Light uh, Parade mm-hmm. and uh, Rivers of America and Illuminations and Fantasmic. He wrote that. And mm-hmm. he brought me under his wing and said, come work and help and learn. And so that led me to a. How long were you there? Well, I was there off and on all the time uh, over about a six, seven-year period until I started my business here in Salt Lake, and then, then I stopped traveling out there. It's 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 interesting to me that you decided based on that that you you were somehow not good enough to continue doing that. Do I have that right? That, that's that's how I felt. But I also felt that I was I was pretty competent in the engineering world as I started to work for Don and and learn from him and uh, do sessions. I the digital world was coming on. I was fortunate to work in very early digital studios in Los Angeles. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing like that here in Salt Lake. So my plan was I'm going to go home and build the first Pro Tools in Salt Lake mm-hmm. and open a studio. And so I did. And I was, by several years, the first guy. I think that's why I survived to this day. Uh, it, it's that's 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 a it's a it's a really interesting move. Now, do you like doing the as much as you like doing the music? Do you like the the I engineering? Do. I do. Yeah, because I, yeah. I mean, I guess is that really that's your main job? Now, yeah, it is. Is sound engineering mm-hmm. making other people's sound good stuff sound yeah. good? Yeah, I love it. Uh, and then, uh, so when did the writing of uh, uh, jingles and um, TV themes and th- uh, commercials come into play. As as I started the studio in the uh, even a little bit before I I start I was uh, when I was finishing college I was working for KSL and I was an editor and a cameraman and I had these part time night jobs so I'd go to school and 
work all night. Uh, you might be you, you might have figured out by now that Dave is dr- a driven <laughs> person. Uh, Dave has kind of Dave Evanoff has kind of uh, dark little dark circles <laughs> under his eyes. Yeah. Yes. How, do you sleep at night? Very little. I've always noticed that's, that's you, the kind truth. Of, yeah. you have little dark circles under your eyes, mm-hmm. and it's be, because you don't. You just keep going and going yeah. and going. Yeah. yeah. So uh, at that time, I uh, you know I was always playing and recording mm-hmm. at a home studio, and so I started to throw out things to uh, advertisers that I would meet, and I'd say, "Hey, would listen to this? What do you think?" And and uh, sold one, sold another, and sold another. And then once I had opened the studio, which was officially opened in 1970, or excuse me, 1987, um, 88, I, uh, then that was just on the rate card. You know, I, I can make your radio commercials, I can make your television commercials, I can write you jingles. What's the first uh, one you ever sold? The first one I sold was Wallpaper Warehouse. Do you have, do you have that? I do. Let's, let's, I want to hear. I think I remember it. I think I remember how it sounds, but Dave's going to play it here, and then we'll actually we'll fold it in so you guys can all hear it better. But I, they still use this. So then, of course, the famous the famous ending. Your decorating store and more. So, so, so I, wrote? I wrote that, and we got it out there. I think I made a whopping thousand dollars in nineteen eighty-five dollars, and and Carrie Ewing, the wonderful singer, I think she made a fifty bucks. Yeah, and like you said, it's being used today. And 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 <laughs> and you don't get any you don't nope. get any money for it. No, no. Every time it's it's heard in Utah, it's a you sell it out and it's done. So, anything you even do today, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you sell it once, and that's and it. Are you bitter about it. that? No. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just cool. the way it is. It's, it's cool. the way it is. It is. And then and when I do sell things to national clients, then it's a whole different story. And uh, there are those that come along, too. But what was, your, what was your first national client? I did a thing for uh, – there was a uh, – Williams & Rockwood, a big agency at the time, got the um, – remember the bunny suit – my the bunny suit commercials for um, – uh, oh, the chip, the Intel, Intel, mm-hmm. Intel. and Williams and Rockwood had that campaign, which put them in the upper echelon of advertisers in the country, mm-hmm. and they were right upstairs from my studio. They hired me to do a bunch of music for Intel commercials, and that was a That's big, nice. nice paycheck. You just do uh, you do background music and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but they were they were scores, so they'd bring mm-hmm. me the commercial, and there would be little funny hits, and so I would sit down and write specifically for the commercial. Um, you um, uh, have done tons of what? What are some of the other jingles that you've done that are that people would remember? Um, I want to hear a couple of others. The uh, well, wallpaper, uh, the old Arctic Circle. Um, uh, it, it's so hard to remember because, really, I mean, it is thirty, almost thirty years, twenty-five years of these. Um, cr- all kinds of credit unions, Utah Jazz. Uh, KSL TV, KUTV TV, um, you know, just uh, so many advertisers, squatters, back when squatters used to do that kind of advertising. Yeah. Do you have the one you were mentioning to me uh, back when X96 was uh, 96.1, and then we switched frequencies to 96.3, and you did a little jingle for us about that. And it went like this. So 
you're sitting back on your beanbag chair, thinking about going out to get a beer or a smoke or maybe up to a ward singles dance, and it hits you. Carrie, Bill, where's the Radio From Hell show? Well, if you're not a complete moron, you might have figured out that we bumped up the dial two points. 96.3, Jack. Point three, point three, point three. Dig it? Questions? 1-800-X-96-SWITCH. Again. 1-800-X-96-SWITCH. I, I hadn't heard that. That's, I forgot how great that was. Those were fun. And we did yeah. a whole bunch. We uh, featured all of your staff at the time. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. Um, you uh, also, you you work here in this little studio called, what's it called? Sound Designs? Dave Evanoff Sound Designs. Dave Evanoff Sound Designs with all kinds of musicians every day. And some some musicians, a lot of musicians that people... No, famous folks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've just spent a couple of years now uh, working closely with Air Supply. Who have had how many number one hits? Oh, geez. I, I couldn't tell you how many uh, that were number one, but but easily 10 top 10 hits. Mm-hmm. Um all out of love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, and just the greatest guys to work with, their, their whole band. Uh, Graham Russell lives here in uh, near Park City, and Johnny Lightfoot, the bass player, lives here. Originally, and, they were Australian or New Zealand? Well, or? Uh, English, and then English. went to Australia. Um, I, they just told me the other day, I heard the, the craziest story. When they went on their first tour, it was Rod Stewart, Air Supply, and... Um, Midnight Oil. Really? What a strange tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you so you work how did you hook up with them and uh, uh what do you do with them? So uh initially I met up with them because they were about to produce a live DVD live in uh, Hong Kong. And they had edited the video but they needed to do a really neat uh what's called 7-1 mix. It's a surround audio mix. So uh, they were calling around to find somebody that could do that kind of work, and, and eventually my name came across, and he was like, wow, and he's in Utah. So we met, and they brought me the files, and I edited for uh, a month or so and mixed, and we finished this DVD, which is out and uh, selling well. And mm-hmm. and uh, and then Graham said, well, this was really fun. Let's work on some more stuff. Uh, Graham has several projects of his own. He's got a new band called Of Eden that's uh, that's himself and a great singer, um, uh, a female singer, um, and I'm going to forget her name here for a second, so I apologize for being an old guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a duet, and so we did their first album and uh, some other early or some other uh, air supply things that are coming mm-hmm. out in the future. So, yeah, and uh, so they, uh, when you work with a band like that, then they uh, just they just pay you up front, and then uh, or they say you know percentage. how much per hour and uh, or by and, the hour by the hour, and yeah, yeah and then we just how, do do you. Uh, um, Katie McGee, thank you, Katie McGee. Yeah. Um, when you do this kind of stuff, uh, do do they just always seek you out, or do you ever go out and I mean, do you ever find them and say, "Hey, come, come let's and try to develop stuff." You know, I should probably do more of that, but but because I've survived now more than twenty five years. It's word of mouth, and and um, and people will say, "Oh, I need a good guy," and I'm fortunate, knock on wood, that that there's usually in the advertising world or in the music world, certainly locally, um, there'll be somebody that said, "Well, Dave Evanoff, you know, he's been around forever, and mm-hmm. he's trustworthy, and he can he can do a good job." For You're him. almost always booked. Yeah, knock on uh, again. Uh, yeah, 
Um, let's talk a little bit about your work in the theater um, and in uh, I I know your work for Plan B, uh, the the radio plays. Uh, you score things for them uh, every every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, original scores. It's you playing all of your Moog synthesizers, mm-hmm. and everybody used to say Moog, didn't they? Yeah, right. But Robert it was wrong. Moog. It was wrong. Uh, and as you're playing all of that stuff, are you improvising all that? I am. I am. I, I mean, I have a general idea because I've been to several rehearsals, and I kind of know how the show is going to go, and I know where the the pauses are, and where the drama builds, and where it gets crazy, and where. So I have a not really a score, but I, I write down some musical notes for myself, which I have, mm-hmm. and then I just play. And and sometimes because the actors are as as I've done with you, you know. Mm-hmm. It, you go off in some cool dramatic way. I'm going to follow you and play along. And, mm. and uh, uh, you, know, you know, when I've been in the Plan B uh, shows, there are sometimes a lot of sound effects as well. And I think the first one I was in, they were all live, mm-hmm. foleyed sound effects. Did you design those? Or no, those... no, you didn't. Cheryl did those. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then now we've done. Some that have uh, electronic sound effects that added, and then you did the last one I was in. I think you did almost every. You did so a bunch of stuff on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, as as soon as that technology came out, I thought of Plan B and the radio show because we have a live audience, or we have in the past. So I thought this will be great. I'm going to play as much of it as I can on my phone, and then the audience can see me. And, and the technology on the phone lets it so that as you blow into the mouthpiece, like a flute or a reed instrument, you can increase the volume or add vibrato. Mm-hmm. So there's a little keyboard on the right-hand side, and, and I would call up a flute sound, and I would play flute solos, and, and, uh, and then later the iPad. And, and in fact, just a few months ago, we debuted an original musical at Plan B called The Kingdom of Heaven, and all of the music came from iPhones or iPads. That was the convention in the show. I didn't want a musical where music just came out of nowhere. I wanted a, a real place. So the the um, uh, Jeanette Puhich, who played the lead, she was a musician, and she recorded on her iPad. So whenever a song came up, it came from that spot. That uh, that's just uh, remarkable. And, yeah. and you were you composed all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I composed the music and uh, and then programmed all of the music to be played back on the phone or the iPads. Now, you said to me before we started this, I asked you if you uh, just had something that you compose because you want to be a composer. And you d- you said no. No. I, I've never, I've always done work for hire. And when I do something for myself, it's always silly. It's, it's a joke. It's comedy. It's just for my, but it's, I've never had that desire like so many to create my album. I, and I get that asked that all the time. Whenever I meet a new band, they'll say, "I'd really love to hear your work." And it just it doesn't exist. But it does. <laughs> I mean, it really does. I mean, what you just described. Yeah, I I, I guess that's true. Uh, I I wish I had a recording to play for you, but we haven't done a cast album yet. Yeah, it's in the works though. It is. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. So, so that is you do you, you do compose things, but it, it's got to be sort of project driven, kind of. Exactly. It's not something you just sit down and. Yeah. It, it, Thia Call came to me several years ago, and they were doing a really neat NASA film, and so they needed music for that. And so I composed this epic space music, uh, or it could be something silly for a local theater or or something really huge for Universal Studios theme parks or uh, halftime shows. I've done a ton of music for Gator Bowl and Blockbuster Bowl and Liberty Bowl, and and but that's all, again, specific. People will say, write a piece that sounds like this. So it's never my, you know. You don't, you're not sitting down and going, what does my soul feel today? Right, right. You're, sometimes you're saying, what does my soul feel about the Fiesta Bowl? But that's different <laughs> yeah. because it's about the Fiesta Bowl and not just your soul. I, I wonder I wonder if, if when someday if, you're, if you stop doing this, if that will happen. I, I guess. I if, guess if I had enough downtime, it, it might I mean, you, 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 you would, I mean, you'll have to do, because I can't imagine that you wouldn't do music. Right. Right. In some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So if the commissions stop coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. Maybe. But I, but I mean, I guess it, it, it's really no different than um, classical composers. They were always, they commissioned to, you know, the, the, the patron would say, I need a, a, a composition for, for my daughter's birthday. Exactly. And that's, that's mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's project driven, really. Yeah. Mine are just cheesy. <laughs> Often, well, <laughs> I mean, well, some aren't, but but in, for you know, so uh, Arctic like, Circle. Last summer, we went on a, a family vacation to Hawaii for a while, like ten days or whatever it was. And after a few days, my dad kept going, "I need a radio. I need to. I need to listen to talk radio." <laughs> like it was like part. It's part of his bones now. Sure, sure. So I don't. Learning a little bit about you, maybe you don't take vacations because you can't. But when <laughs> when you go away time. for a long time, do you like like you're you know sitting on the beach for like three or four days? Do you go all right? I need I need my accordion or your bo- <laughs> or your piano. Well, or definitely a guitar. a guitar is with me if yeah, I'm if I'm goes. anywhere. Yeah, the guitar or the accordion or or a ukulele. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always I always carry something. It's a good along. one for Hawaii. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plan your instruments based on where you're going. That, yeah, I was going to start doing more of that. Uh, that's what I was about to ask you yeah. about your downtime, if you have it. Yeah, it, there's very little, really, yeah. you know. And uh, it, my downtime is just a, a nice evening with Netflix, you know, just mm-hmm. watching a documentary. And and when I'm sitting on a beach, if that happens, I'm usually relaxing, but I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get the music for such and such a project done, and I'm writing a melody in my head, or maybe I'm jotting it down on an iPad. So you, I mean, you do, you are always composing and always thinking in musical terms. Sure. And you write music. You You actually do, you can write music with notes. You don't just sit down and, like some musicians sit down and they noodle it out and don't really write notes. You write notes. Right, right. That certainly makes my business work more efficiently. Uh, that I can show a singer or a, a instrumentalist of any kind. This is what you need to play. Yeah. Um, David Evanoff, uh, it's what, uh, people will see you around town and hear you around town doing stuff and not really know it. Uh, what are you working on right now that people would know? Well, um, if you if you listening to uh, Fox. Uh, television news and you hear the background news music you know at the beginning and the, or the end 
there you go. That's David Evan. Um, there is there's music like that all over television, local television, and uh, and of course, like I mentioned, jingles before you probably. I do not write jingles that are ripoffs of other songs. So parody parody ish, mm-hmm. if you can even call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, I no. Um, minor, well, it's it's not legal, quite frankly. And the people that claim that they can do it under the parody laws are misleading themselves. Once you market something with somebody else's music, you are infringing. We're yeah. back to Weird Al again, right? What? But but he parodies and then often gets whatever kind of needed permission. He he, I think he does. He maybe didn't start out doing it, but now he says he he asks the the artists if he can do it. I think it. that he was famous for Prince. He always wanted Prince, but Prince never said would never give him the yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, I uh, being a composer myself. Uh, I respect the rights of people that that do write music, and even if if you're going to borrow it for a car dealer, yeah. I, I you know have some you ever, people do, I don't okay. have you ever written something uh, for someone and then and then realized wait a minute I just <laughs> I, I just that belongs to somebody else I've done it you've done you know like George Harrison I fully believe he didn't really realize he was writing my sweet lore or uh, he he's so fine she's so fine mm-hmm. he's so he's so fine when he did my sweet lore oh, he didn't realize it that happens all the time. In fact, because I, I took a year to write the musical Kingdom of Heaven, mm. uh, that happened often. Even right up to the end, uh, to to the final week of rehearsal, was rehearsing a, a musical phrase with a couple of the singers, and uh, it, it went da 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 da, and one of the singers went said to me, "Rainy days and Mondays always gets." And I went, no, <laughs> let's change that. You know, and I was not trying to evoke mm-hmm. the Carpenters, but it was there. It was there. Yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting because you don't. Time. Yeah, you just don't. Well, it, it, for so many is that love and, you know, you spend so much time with music. It's all of those notes. There's only 12 notes, you know, and and it depends on what order you put them in. So, um you know, it's easy to evoke something or to pull it out of your memory and go, oh, that's. Do you have a hard time uh, watching TV and hearing jingles or going to theater and hearing, listening to live orchestras? Uh, does that bug you to hear them done badly? Like you hear a bad jingle on TV and you go, that, that doesn't <laughs> oh, even rhyme. Oh, or like, oh. Well, or, jing- jingles kill me. What has happened in the last uh, five to seven years is everybody with a laptop now is a composer and a writer and engineer so the worst stuff is on uh, on the air and uh yeah i i cringe now when you hear something uh, on film or on television is usually excellent uh two years ago i had a great honor to second engineer uh for the film uh, 42 the the uh, jackie uh, robinson film oh yeah mm-hmm. and uh you know i mean the, that that music is so beautiful. It was recorded at Abbey Rhodes. What did you do with it? I was second engineer, so we the files came back here, and we were mixing it for the surround sound. And so my job was not to to create or alter the music, but to make it sound appropriate mm-hmm. in surround. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's a, an engineering part of that, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know that that stuff is. It's perfect. It's beautiful. So as you listen to that, you just go, God. Oh, wow. Why do I even try? 
Well, <laughs> no, no, you know. See again, you are you are you are you are self-effacing, and you common you, theme with you. You 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 are always so self-effacing. Thank you, doctors. But, yeah, you, <laughs> we need a let's go eat show therapist that we just bring <laughs> with us bring sometimes. Wheel of you know, you. Uh, 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 well, I wasn't a good enough drummer, so I came back to be a. Come, yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 I was having this conversation with a friend of mine just last night. I think I think she was saying, what is it with these actors that get up on stage and think they're brilliant and clearly are not? <laughs> and she said, I never feel that way. And I said, I know I really appreciate that about you. And I don't feel that way either. I feel that like there's always, always, always room for improvement. I've been doing this 25 years, but, you know, yeah. I, I can always get better yeah. at everything. So. Yeah. And whereas I could never be better <laughs> than I You've am now. You've done it. You peaked. I just, you know, now there's nowhere. See, with me, there's nowhere to go but down, <laughs> which I do. I get worse every single day. I get worse. Well, at what you're I doing do. it with great style. But, yeah. Uh, listen, um, also live performance. Where can people see you? Uh, right now, for the next three weeks, I'm playing drums at the Grand Theater in the Full Monty, and I'm conducting that, that uh, small orchestra. And then in mid-June, I will be doing all kinds of musical work, uh, composing some music as well as playing in the band for Saturday's Voyeur. And I'll be there all summer long. Um, so You do that how many years in a row now? Well, I was the musical director for, for Voyeur from 94 to 2003. Then I retired for, as musical director. <laughs> but now I still go back and I love to uh, be in the band or play. And uh, it, it, being the musical director became a full-time job and I, I couldn't fit in one more full-time job. It's just less pressure to just go play in the band? Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, they, you know, because they, they write an original musical every year. Well, you know, mm -hmm. they write the... Uh, certainly the music director has to arrange all those songs. So it's a big job. Mm. So they've got uh, a guy now, Kevin Matthew, who does a great job. And I can just come in and he hands me my music and I can play. Okay. But this year I am writing a few things uh, additionally for them. Mm. Some special stuff. All right. David Evanoff, uh, a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for coming. Uh, nice to, to get to know more about you, and uh, you're, you're, you're a great guy. Oh, you're, you're so kind. You're Thank a mensch. David Evanoff. Uh, it's David Evanoff Sound Design Studios. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the Let's Go Eat show. We didn't eat, though. We didn't. No, we didn't. No, we're here at the oh, studios. Just pro this is probably by far the best sounding episode we've ever done, I would imagine. Yeah, because it's really nice We're not sounding. in the middle of a restaurant or anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks, Dylan, for sitting there and... Uh, producing and, yeah, I, and you nice. will post produce the show uh, i'm bill allred uh, remember when you're pouring drinks always make mine double like the mailman i need a fast break that's terrific so pass them homemade from scratch hardy's biscuits put them on my plate because you know they taste great mm, just like mom's used to make Homemade from scratch like that Not molded frozen dough that tastes like wax Cause Hardee's believes in quality and quantity That's why mailman's hike See these Hardee's every day about 7 o'clock Frisco breakfast sandwich hits the spot Plus Hardee's orange juice with Hardee's hash browns And now I got the energy to take it downtown Booyah slamming like Carl Malone Having a Hardee's good meal makes your body feel strong So do your body a favor and make it feel complete Every day come and have a good meal at Hardee's If you're ready for a good